When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We love saving you money and we love companies doing their part to help save the world. And that's why we've got some great information about ball aerospace and technology. Right now, they're hiring for their manufacturing plant in Golden. If you're looking to get back out there into the workforce and you want to make $27 an hour, well, they're hiring for production technicians. You can text GOLDEN to 77222 to get linked to open positions. You can also go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. You get comprehensive insurance active the day of hire, 401k for retirement, stock purchase ownership program, and oh yeah, $27 an hour working for a great company like Ball. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast, brought to you as always by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD coffee can be delivered to your doorstep every two, four, six, or eight weeks. Whatever you need, it's going to have you feeling fantastic. It's going to help reduce your chronic headaches, joint pains, even IBS. More than that as well. Zero coffee jitters. What more can you say about a great company that helps me start off my day the right way? It's StravaCraftCoffee.com. And now with your first purchase, you can save 25% off that first purchase with code DNVR25 at StravaCraftCoffee.com. Com. Joining me today, as always, once a week, he's the voice of the Colorado Rockies on AT&T Sportsnet, the host of the Drew Goodman podcast. It's, well, Drew Goodman. What's going on today, buddy? Not much, man, Patrick. How you been? Doing well? Doing Look well. What I broke out today. I broke out um, since I, it's morning and we're having coffee, my um, selfish plug for uh, my podcast. See that? Nice logo. You're plugging the mug. That's I'm it. It is a great that. logo. I is that is logo. something I don't know if if you want to give a plug to whoever designed it, just because you it ties in all the colors of the the Denver sports teams. It looks like a beautiful sunset or sometimes even a sunrise that we have in Colorado. The blue, the purple, the orange. It's 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 very eye catching. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, my man Kyle Fluger, who's based in San Diego, handles uh, the creative portion of um, and, and uh, of my podcast and. Uh, Came up with that, and we're going to have shirts. Uh, we're going to have some stuff coming out soon. So, uh, you know, stay stay in touch, right? I got to sneeze. Excuse me. Excuse me. Allergies. Don't worry. It is that time we of year. We have to qualify now when we sneeze. The, the, I know. It's very Feel true. Great. I got allergies every once in a while. Go ahead. That's right. Yeah, and that's that's we're on StreamYard, so we're okay. We're saying yeah, you can still yeah, listen to this right. yeah, no. and not contract anything. No, just drag, allergies. Spray anywhere. Yeah, we'll we'll get to uh, this week's show as well as next week's show. You know, the Drew Goodman podcast drops each and every Thursday morning, so make sure you go over and subscribe and download that. A real good one uh, with Dave Lapham. But 
Let's start with what everyone's thinking about in the baseball world right now. The two sides, MLB, the Players Association, they're getting together finally for the first time. They're not just talking about talking. They're actually going to be sitting down together in, I want to say in a room, but it's more of a Zoom room, right? That's how business is conducted nowadays. Uh, and it's nice that here we go. Now we're now we're kind of in the middle of the thick of things to to get to that goal of coming to a, an agreement that that benefits both parties and we can get back to normalcy and have our baseball. Yeah, I mean, here's what we know, Patrick. We know that there's going to be an agreement ultimately, right? It's not like, oh, they could never come to an agreement. The sport of baseball at the professional level dried up and went away. That's not going to happen. It's a, an 11 plus billion dollar uh, a year industry. Uh, we know that um, the two sides have a pretty big delta to close from a financial standpoint. What, what we do hope takes place in an expedient fashion is obviously the resolution of, of such. And we move on because nobody wants to talk about finances. Who loves the game of baseball? You want to talk about, you know, guys who OPS and, and this player was signed and that player was traded, that sort of thing. Um, I, I just hope that today, as opposed to what's often happened when the, the deadlines in the, in the, so far in the future, that realistic or you know, genuine offers aren't made. So the, it's, the, the league is, is now going to present, from what we understand, uh, a new set of um, you know, ideas, right? And, and you hope that it that it's moved the meter um, somewhat significantly. So now the players go, oh, you know, they're going to reject it, obviously, but they can go back and say, okay, uh, you know, meet us here and, and so on. Anyhow, it's beginning today. Uh, I, I was reading in, in the Denver Post today and Patrick Saunders' letters to, uh, to Patrick um, on baseball, you know, Somebody asked, and, and he probably spoke for countless fans, hey, where, where's the CBA? Because they don't follow it like you and I have to follow it. So right. get the damn thing done so we can talk about spring training. We can talk about free agency again because we know there's a lot of free agents out there, and hopefully the Rockies get a couple, right? Yeah, no, I like how you summarized it there. You know, the average baseball fan or even the hardcore baseball fans, they don't really have to care or concern themselves with the CBA because that's that's so far behind the scenes of everything. It's 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 similar to, you know, an article that that I just read from The Athletic about the ash bats are are going away because there's some kind of beetle that's infecting ash trees and like that's all behind the scenes it, it's interesting and it's important to know again if you're in the industry but at the end of the day it's like just grab a piece of wood hit the ball play the game we want to do all those things and so you know this is a, a good natural part of it it's like you said you hope there is is some real steps taken forward and some um you know, consolation taken of, of let's, let's get to the middle and, and let's not just, Hey, we made you a proposal, but it's, it's the exact same thing as, as before you hope that's going to happen. And once we start getting closer to these deadlines, because we're, we're almost a month out from pitchers and catchers reporting from their, their normal timeline. And so, you know, there'll be a few more of these back and forths, but, but this is a, an important first step, maybe later than we would like, but Hey, it's, it's happening and, and that's positive. 
Right. And again, going back to the fans, it's like if you open up the Wall Street Journal and you read that this large company bought some other significant company, you're like, oh, wow, great. And you turn the page to that. <laughs> it has no effect on you. It, it, you could care less. Oh, somebody, some other wealthy group is getting wealthier or, you know, whatever. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't affect you. All a fan cares about is the sport being played on the field. And, and, and ultimately at the end of the day, that's what we care about. We want to talk about baseball. We don't want to talk about the business side. And we want the hot stove league to be back, right? This is such a yeah. fun time typically. And so if we're going to speculate, let's speculate on one thing about in the CBA, the universal DH, we all know it's coming. I kind of have my doubts, or I should say fears, that we might not get it for this season. We will eventually. Bottom line, it's good for the game. You know, is are you surprised that it's taken now close to 50 years? Because 1973, Ron Bloomberg, right? He's the first DH New York Yankees. This will be the 50th season here in, in 2022 that the DH will have been around. Did you ever think that maybe the National League would have adopted it at some point sooner? I think baseball has always, maybe more so than any of the other major sports, has really clung to its past, really held on to its history and deviated uh, and wouldn't deviate from from how the game was played. And it, it, it's a really important aspect, the history of the game, the rules of the game, um, so we compare and contrast from generation to generation. Um, it, it, baseball has always had its purists, and the purists typically have won out when arguing about how the game should be played, um, how the game should be recorded. And for those reasons, it does not surprise me that it's taken so long. I also think once interleague play started, it was a really neat contrast when an American League team came to a National League ballpark and their pitchers had to hit. Or who was the National League team going to use in a three-game series in an American League city as the designated hitter? Um, I, I really personally always enjoyed those encounters in interleague and enjoyed the fact that managers had to navigate later in a ball game how they would utilize the bottom of their lineup and their bench, because you certainly didn't want, you know, a relief pitcher hitting in the seventh inning in a one run game. Right. Um, or maybe it meant the removal of a starter a little earlier. I always embrace that. Uh, one of the things I'm now embracing more and more is that you have to evolve, man. If you don't evolve, you're going to, you're going to, the game's going to get left behind at some level. There are always, you know, there are going to be people who say, no, this is how I want to see it. But uh, the game's pace has to pick up. I used to reject the thought of having a pitch clock, for instance. I know we're not talking about that, Patrick. But you know what? I got no problem with it now. We have to move this game along. And I, I also, you and I touched on this, I, I think, in one of the previous episodes. And not to go down this path right now, because I know we're talking about DH. But, Patrick, there's no reason you can't do like hockey. Hockey in the regular season plays three on three in overtime for five minutes, and then they have a shootout. There's no reason we can't keep the California tiebreaker rule, put a guy at second base in the 10th inning. That's how we're going to play it for 162. In the postseason, hell no. Postseason, you got to earn uh, a guy on base. 
But we, we have to move forward. And one of the ways moving forward is I, we don't need to see pitchers who hit a – you have the numbers in front of you. I know the way you are. Pitchers hit, you know, collective 150 with an on-base percentage of 160 and a slugging percentage of 180. We don't need to see that. We, we definitely don't. And I, I like how you mentioned, you know, if, if you don't evolve, you die, right? We, we know that from, from science. We know that from various species. If, if you don't evolve, you die. And so it does make me think, because we're both on the same side of the fence when it comes to the automatic strike zone of, well, wait a minute. We don't want this thing. Are, are, what are we missing out? Like, I, I don't know if the automatic ball strike system evolves the game. So I'm going to have to think about that one. But what I will say about the universal DH, great point about in the regular season, you know, it, it's fun talking about the those X's and O's when an American League team comes to Coors Field and they don't have their DH, but that's the regular season. It's really has its impact in the World Series, right? But all, the, all those years where Boston's in it and you go, what are they going to do with Ortiz? Do they want to stick them out in first base? So that's a great conversation that we're going to lose with the universal DH, but that's it. As you said, I mean, pitchers hitting, like we're going to gain so much more from having that extra veteran in the lineup. And, and for the Rockies at Coors Field, you know, we'll get to that next, but shoot, how they can deploy a designated hitter could really change the balance of things. Whereas we, we see it in the all-star game, American league is usually beating the national league and, and, and it, it's, it's an exciting time for the game to evolve with the universal DH. Yeah. To, to, real quick, before I comment on that, going back to your last point, Patrick, where it, it was intriguing. Okay. You have this guy who's a, you know, just a DH like the yeah. Edgar Martinez, the David Ortiz, who you'd, you'd mentioned and what happens in a world series in the national league ballpark. All right. That happens once a year for a couple of games, right? Yeah. Or at most, right? At most. Other other stories emerge um, as well. And I know, yeah, you want to have, oh, my goodness, the pitcher just hit one in the gap and drove in, you know, with the bases loaded. And, you know, the guys like Herman Marcus were, were decent by pitcher standards with the bat. Yeah, you you lose that. But you always gain something else. It's like people said, oh, the California tiebreaker rule, putting a guy at second base, it opened up enormous um, bits of uh, how managers were going to think their way through this. So from a strategic standpoint, it wasn't dumbing the game down. It actually added intellectually, I think, to how you go about attacking extra innings. And and I don't think anybody could have... Um, foreshadowed that if you will so anyhow moving on from that with the, with the dh specific to the rockies and i think a lot of teams are going to do what the rockies would like to do on paper one of the things that we've seen in sports um and and it started really in in basketball with load management right no no players of prominence play 82 games lebron sitting out tonight load management because they want their players freshest or as fresh as they can be come the postseason. Um, altitude, we know what it does to the body. And so, you know, the Rockies are, you know, probably uh, hyper aware of getting guys off their feet, uh, led by Keith Duggar, who's their outstanding trainer and has been for many, many years. And so they'll move that DH around. 
um, you know, the guy that you figure will be in the lineup every day that maybe could benefit from it the most, though he doesn't like it. I know that having had many conversations with him on this is Charlie Blackman, but Charlie's the oldest position player for the Rockies. He's what, 35, 36 next year. And he will be turned 36. So um, that that's where you begin. But when we, you start to break down the Rockies roster and their lineup, which I know Patrick, you, you know, you have to touch on so many things with the volume of um, print and, and audio that you put out with DNVR. We don't know because until the CBA is settled, until free agency, all the free agents out there um, are, are signed up, we don't know who may be additions to the Rockies to determine, oh, okay, they got, you know, I'm big Kyle Schwarber. They got Kyle Schwarber also. So, you know, most of the time, maybe it's Schwarber DHing and Blackman DHing and then occasionally move it around, CJ Crone, that sort of thing. DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax in York is where you can get a bigger beer if you're a member of the DNVR.com. Now only 50 cents for your first month. We've got watch parties going on all the time with Avalanche, Nuggets, of course, Rams and Buffs heating up their basketball season as we get closer to March Madness. Drink specials from 3 to 6 p.m. Appetizer discounts as well. We got a members-only Discord as well as some of the best coverage you can get in the Denver Denver area. And in fact, there I'll say it is the best, especially when you're talking about Broncos, Avs, Nuggets, and yeah, I'll, I'll pat myself on the back. I do a pretty damn good job with the Rockies as well. If you're talking about good job with your dental care and having good health well you got to take care of your mouth it's really true and that's why the folks at green mountain dental group have been pivotal in keeping those of us at dnvr in great shape same is true for our loyal dnvr listeners who've switched to green mountain dental group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist so schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam to receive a free sonic care toothbrush from green mountain dental group only 15 minutes from downtown denver nfl playoffs well they are here Coming up, right around the corner, a couple days away, if that. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. Includes the favorites. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. All customers can also get in on DraftKings Hammer the Over promotion. What that means is for every 5,000 bettors who take the over for Saturday night's Buffalo vs. New England game, the point total is going to lower by half a point. Hammer the Over has hit zero every time DraftKings has run it. So, bettors won when the first point was scored. It's that easy. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR to get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code DNVR this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. As you said, Goody, the load management is a key piece, and we're really seeing more teams, even if you just look at the American League, they use the DH as a way to manage that load. They don't really, there's not too many true DHs anymore. There's not that one guy who's just a hitter. You you spread it around a little bit. And what that allows the Rockies to do, as you said, give you know players some rest, some of the older guys or players who are banged up, but maybe more importantly, it allows them to have a little bit more security for a guy like Kyle Schwarber, who maybe you have questions about his D 
defensive position, right? Maybe he isn't able to hang in, in left field or, or first base, whatever it is. But hey, if you've got the DH, you can now balance that. So it definitely still opens a door. And it, it also allows with the, the spreading around of playing time and one extra spot in the lineup, it allows for those great stories to come up. I mean, think about a guy like Connor Joe, who earned his spot on the Rockies last year. It was one of the best stories, you know, in baseball, certainly for the Rockies. And, you know, every year you could surmise that there could be a guy that gets an opportunity where even if it's only for a couple weeks can get the spotlight. And you hear about one of these players who, again, might not be in the hall of very good or even in the hall of fame, but has, has had an interesting life and has really overcome some of those obstacles. And the adoption of the universal DH really, you know, opens up the doors for, for all of those wonderful things to come out in the Rockies world. Yeah. And, and for the Rockies, <coughs> excuse me, we know they have to get better offensively, a lot better offensively. And as they're, you know, as, as we sit here today, um, they weren't good a year ago offensively. They weren't good the last few years, quite frankly, even when, when Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story were hitting in the middle of the lineup, great players, clearly. Um, but overall, their offense by advanced metrics was not good. And now, in all likelihood, Trevor Story is going to be playing elsewhere. We already know Arenado's been gone for a year plus. So where is the, the reboost in the offense come from? You know, Connor Joe, when he was healthy last year, really um, was a was a really nice contributor. And you hope he has continued growth. He's not known as a great defensive left fielder. I mean, I, I think he's a solid athlete. You can put him out there kind of like a Kyle Schwarber, but he would be a candidate to DH some. So so now you have that extra bat and the Rockies need, you know, a, a fair share of, of extra bona fide bats and guys that get on base and that's that was the the great intriguing thing about connor joe is he he i i thought up and down the lineup last year he gave the rockies the best at bat when connor joe came up especially if it was a key situation man i was excited because i knew we know how tough baseball is and that you're going to fail far more than you succeed but I knew they were going to get a high quality at bat. He wasn't going to get himself out in the baseball vernacular. He wasn't going to swing at two sliders that are foot and a half off the plate. Um, he would take his walks. And um, so, uh, you know, going back to Connor Joe, uh, I'm a big Connor Joe fan. And I think the DH um, is a, you know, for the Rockies will benefit uh, another guy like a Connor Joe. And, and I mentioned Crone quickly too. You know, CJ solid at first base. Uh, I think after a sluggish start defensively, you know, he's coming off knee surgery the previous season. I thought he was solid average at first base, but he's a guy you can get off your feet uh, a little bit and, and preserves a big man. And he's past 30. I know that sounds not ancient to, <laughs> to most people, but, um, you know, from an athletic standpoint. Uh, so, you know, th those are, you know, those are, guys that I think will, will really benefit from the DH. And if if you're moving Connor Joe into the DH spot or if he's playing first base to give Crone the day off and whether he's DHing or otherwise, I mean, that allows some opportunity for a, a prospect like Michael Tolia when it comes time for him to go to first base. We know Colton Walker's on the roster, a young guy who still needs to get some playing time. So it's crazy to think of the universal DH as an extra spot on the roster. It's, it's not an extra spot on the roster, but it's an extra spot in the lineup. That's another, you know, 
550, 600 at bats that's going to allow you to develop, you know, some of those younger guys and and really just see what you got because Connor Joe wasn't young. He was young by the standards of his experience and he was finally given an opportunity, was finally healthy and and you got to see that, you know, with that opportunity that he had. So that was that was really exciting to see in 2021. Patrick, do you know off the top of your head what the average uh, in the American League was OPS for for the DH last year? Because this is off the top of my head. It's got to be, um, I'm saying for the Rockies, that has to be an, an, at minimum an 800-plus um, player. And I understand it's not going to be one player. But at the end of 2022, if the DH comes in this year, and we know it's coming, um, then that has to be it has to be a middle of the order spot. We know that. We know that from the history of studying the American League. And certainly at Coors Field for the Rockies, the way they're currently uh, constructed, that that has to be a middle of the order um, guy, whoever is the DH on a given uh, evening. Yeah, I, I did listen to a podcast recently uh, with someone who'd done some uh, amazing work in, in research. And he pretty much you know, dove into this idea that the output for the American League DH is so much above and beyond what the National League DHs have. Because again, you you have that in, in mind when you're drafting up your roster or when you're acquiring players or signing free agents, whatever it may be, you've you've got that going down. Whereas in the National League you, you don't need to plan for those, you know, maybe 10 games a year. Uh, but overall, it does look like since, you know, the start of interleague play, National League teams in general have been doing a better job as far as getting more of that production out of their designated hitter. So, again, that's that's one of those things that if if the Rockies do a better job than the other NL teams, that's an advantage that they could have here uh, forever. But certainly in the next couple of years, we'll see what happens with that. Still got the Hall of Fame business going on. Uh, the announcement coming on January 25th. I don't know if you uh, saw this. Uh, you've probably seen in the past blank ballots. Uh, and I'm, I'm ultimately, I'm trying to poke the bear here. I'm trying to get you to go on a rant here, Goody. Uh, your thoughts on blank ballots or your thoughts on a writer who only votes for Jeff Kent. I don't know if you saw that one. There was a Jeff Kent only ballot. Dan, Dan Shaughnessy of the Globe. That would be him. Who's a extremely well-known uh, baseball writer and I don't know him personally. I was, I was surprised by that. And I, I'm, it's strange, I, right? Cause I, it's, he's, it's he's funny. making it more about himself, right? Yeah. You know, that's a good way of putting it, Patrick. It's yeah. like, I'm going to draw attention to myself. I'm going to, I'm going to put my name on an empty ballot. Or I'm going to put my name on a ballot with one name who is, was a great player. He's kind of a controversial guy because he was somewhat of a curmudgeon, which is irrelevant. Um, and, and he was one of the pioneers of the, you know, not the first, certainly, but one of the pioneers of, of turning second base into a power spot. Yeah. Right. He, he ain't going to the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Very Good for his defensive work. No. No. So I, I, I look at that and... It's a look at me moment. And I also, I, it's funny when it came out, I, I, I looked at the ballot closer again. I punched on it to say, let me look at this ballot again closely. <laughs> not, not his in particular. I want to look at all the names. And I'm like, 
Yeah, Hall of Famer. That's a Hall of Famer. The, the, yeah, maybe, maybe. Hall of Famer. Hall of Fam- Are you kidding me? You come up with one name. Even if you eliminate all the guys that were attached to PEDs, because that's how you feel. You feel strongly that you're always going to eliminate those guys. I, I don't begrudge people for having um, that opinion. Uh, I don't necessarily share it when it comes to the Bonds and the Clemens of the world. They're Hall of Famers. They're, they, they belong in the Hall of Fame. But there are other names on there, man, beyond Jeff Kent. I mean, Todd, Todd, in our town, yeah, bias aside, when you put up Todd Helton's career against Jeff Kent's career, and it's not to knock Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent's a hell of a player. I don't know. It, it's That's the world we live in, Patrick. That's the world we live in. I'm convinced. I am going to get out. You you want me to get on that soapbox. Here we I, go. Here right? we go. All right. I'm rubbing my hands. Let's go, baby. I'm convinced in this world of entertainment that we are small participants, whether it be sports, entertainment. That's what it is, sports media. But when, you, when you're doing a talk show or when you're writing a column, you are – attempting to uh, entertain or to provide contrary uh, thoughts, um, move the needle, the anger needle, the hyperbole needle, right? I'm convinced that whether it be in in the news genre of entertainment, right, um, or sports, there are a number of people out there that don't believe a damn word they're saying, but they know that it's going to move the meter. And ultimately, probably if it's controversial enough on a consistent basis, you know, there, there's, there's always extremists that are going to jump on board and go, yeah, that's right. That's right. To whatever your opinion is. And um, they line their pockets with cash, not even believing what they're saying on a daily basis. So I, you know, that that certainly exists in sports as well. Or they at least convince themselves. Oh, sure. Right? Like, yeah, no, no, this this is logical. This could be true. Is it? Probably not, but I, I'm not going to address that part. I just want to. It's been financially beneficial yeah. for me to believe that it's true. And here we are, a, a Colorado Rockies show, and, and we're talking about Dan Shaughnessy for, for the Boston Red Sox. Not because, you know, he was voted into the hall of fame, the Ford C Frick award winner, you know, uh, or excuse me, JG Spalding, whatever it is. It's, it's because uh, he's, he's grabbing the headlines. Uh, and that's, you know, the, the frustrating thing I think about it, maybe more than anything is you go back and look at some players who fell off the ballot after one year and you go, you know what? They deserve maybe more of a conversation, right? Cause uh, we talked about it last week, this idea that, you know, now we know, where, where players are trending, right? How, what their percentage of the vote is, you know, before we get to the, the final day, before we get to the final results. And so, yeah, it maybe reduces the surprise, but it increases the conversation. And if you're only on the ballot for one year, you know, what kind of conversation do you have? Tim Hudson, he's on his second ballot. And I, I haven't even thought about talking about him yet, but if he ends up being on three or four, I'm going to maybe start looking a little bit more into his case and, you know, I, I could be flipped on a guy like that. Think about Kenny Lofton, who's someone that's such an obvious one. Ted Simmons, I think, only had one ballot. And we just saw him get inducted in the Hall of Fame with, with Derek Jeter and, and Larry Walker. So if every vote that you don't give to a guy, you know, that, that can hurt that player 
directly from, you know, just being part of, of the conversation. It's you're saying no about that player in a lot of ways. And that's not, that's not fair. That's not a good great yeah. look. On one hand, I would say, I love the fact that Cooperstown and the baseball hall of fame is so exclusive. It's, it is really, really hard to get in there. Harder than seemingly the other uh, professional sports halls of fame. It's not to diminish when someone gets into Canton. We know they obviously were were great, um, but but baseball, man, the, it, they're tough. They don't they don't take somebody every year or a group of somebody's uh, every year. Um, but there are guys that have been left off, and a deeper dive really needed to be. Uh, looked upon, especially if they didn't spend most of their career in a major market. I always go back to to the crime dog, Fred McGriff. Yeah, Fred McGriff's not a not a Hall of Famer, really. You know, there's a number of those guys that fall into that category that may ultimately have been as impactful, or or perhaps more so than a guy like Teddy Simmons, who you just referenced. Yeah, I'm currently in the process of doing some some research on Hall of Fame stuff and and seeing those guys who lasted the full 15 years. Uh, in the case of Fred McGriff, I think he's the first player to maybe almost be done in by the 10 years. There, they they change it from 15 years on the ballot to only 10, and so he went the full 10, didn't get in. But you go back and look at some of the most recent players in the last 25, 30 years who went the full 15: Minnie Minoso, Ron Santo, uh, Jim Cott. Those guys went the full 15 and ultimately got in on veterans committees. And so, you know, that's that in and of itself is is impressive to to last that long on a ballot. And if you don't get the five percent and you don't get, you know, a couple votes here and there to stay on the ballot and be in the conversation, then you're, you're never going to to reach that plateau. But if you're looking to reach a plateau, especially if you're enjoying your active lifestyle or if you're having some aches and pains got to tell you about the relief and recovery creams from escape artists provided at your local light shade 10 in the denver metro area it's the highest awarded topical brand in colorado that prioritizes quality and consistency escape artists produce these creams that help penetrate for deep muscle tissue discomfort that's fast absorbing i pair it with my strava craft coffee and it helps me with my post-workout recovery my favorite part is it doesn't mess up my clothes it doesn't mess up my sheets right it's not greasy it's not going to stain any of those things best part as i said you can find them at your local light shade dispensary there's about to be 11 in the denver metro area light shade has a premium selection of cannabis concentrates top shelf flower edibles tinctures accessories and more and now podcast listeners you can get 25 percent off non-sale items with code dnvr shop online at lightshade.com for pickup or a light shade location near you you may get your 25 percent off discount when you go in person use code dnvr for that and your favorite colorado rugby team is back now as the american raptors if you haven't heard of the american raptors no not the dinosaur like the eagles the hawks the falcons those are types of predatory raptors i'm a big birder i don't know if you knew that but i i, I love bird watching things really? of that nature. yes i'm very much into that and i got my eye on the raptors the american raptors colorado's rugby team it's a top-notch group of athletes who've already competed at the highest level of their respective sports we're talking even baseball basketball football wrestling soccer track and field our guy colton strickland's got it all covered 
on the weekly DNVR Rugby Podcast. He's going to break it all down for you on one-on-one rugby podcasts with exclusive interviews with athletes and coaches. Plus, the DNVR Rugby Podcast is going to provide betting advice on the Super Rugby that starts at the end of February. It's about five, six weeks away, right when the football season ends. So what better to know than the American Raptors and the DNVR Rugby Podcast, a great team. Head over to AmericanRaptors.com to get free tickets or to stream their games. Again, AmericanRaptors.com. Hey, Patrick. Yes. Are you doing another spot or are you, can I jump in here? We're good if you want to talk birds. Okay. I've got, a, I've got another birds. hour and a half to talk about birds. Yeah. I want to talk bird watching with you. Um, no. <laughs> I, I just want to go back for a moment to, you know, we were discussing the DH. And most teams, a lot of American League teams are, are using the D8 spot, as I suggested the Rockies will, moving it around and getting guys off their feet and using it um, to rest guys, yeah. but still keeping a good bat in the lineup for four, hopefully five ABs, right? The teams that have been most successful by far with the DH are teams that say, this is our DH. David Ortiz is going to DH 140 games this year. Uh, you know, going back, Edgar Martinez is our, is a DH. Because it's not just the presumption that National League teams are going to move it around. A lot of American League teams are. But the teams that have gotten far and away the best production from an OPS standpoint, from a WOBA standpoint, from a WAR standpoint, Jordan Alvarez, Houston, Right. Now we saw in the postseason where they had they put him in left field because they needed, you know, they needed him to be that that bat out there and they say, all right, listen, we'll go play left field, which they were reluctant to do in the past. Um, Nelson Cruz, who's ageless, he, he and Tom Brady should, you know, hang out together, right? <laughs> but he that's what he does. And well, so, Tampa, so that yeah, that's a perfect match yeah. in heaven. <laughs> and, and so when you look at those teams that they have. J.D. Martinez in Boston, that that's what they do. Those are the teams that are getting the best production out of the DH. And quite frankly, it's not really close. So when you move it around, you go, oh, we got this guy off his feet. We got that guy off the feet. And that has been the logic, the pervasive logic now. You understand it intellectually, but from a productivity standpoint, uh, the numbers will tell you you're better off having that you know, the, the big dude who you really don't want on defense, but man, oh man, we want him hitting fourth or third or fifth. Yeah. JD Martinez, that great example. If you look at the designated hitter production for the Red Sox last year, it was actually according to fan graphs war. It was the second highest in, in all of baseball. So there's, there's a Houston. lot of that. Houston was number one, I believe. Uh, according to fan graphs, they were, they were fourth angels were, were number one. Twins were number three, which, Twins, there you go. That was Nelson Cruz for uh, you know two thirds of the season, but uh, and again, that's just looking at Fangraphs WAR Baseball Reference. They have a different way of calculating wins above replacement. Um, and again, if you're if you're looking at production in, in different ways, you know Jordan Alvarez. If you're looking at singular players, Jordan Alvarez obviously well, you know, would singularly. I was looking at team production. You, you know what? In my, in my bad. I was looking at 2020 DH WAR. And in 2020, again, abbreviated season, Houston was far and away number one, followed by Boston, followed by Minnesota. And at the time, Minnesota was led by by Nelson Cruz. And that's why I was pointing 
in their mouth. Also, the overall, this surprised me a little bit, Patrick, the overall OPS for the DH, um, I think it was last year, it may have been two, was 723. Wouldn't you thought it, would, it was higher than that? I would think so for a lot of those American league ballparks, which aren't quite as pitcher friendly. So yeah, that lines up. That makes sense. We were talking about the hall of fame on Thursday or rather on Wednesday, John Lester announces his retirement first glance or first immediate reaction. John Lester is not a hall of famer, but once I started digging into some of the numbers, uh, I could, I can change my mind on that initial instinct. Is he a, is he a, is he a hall of famer? Well, I think that's what we do, Patrick. And I'm going to go back to something my dad, you know, taught me, my late father taught me when I was a kid saying, you know, the, a Hall of Famer is a guy who over a fairly significant period of time was looked as as one of the best players of his era. Right. So we, when you think of the 70s and and I throw out there Johnny Bench, you don't go look at his numbers and whatever you go Hall of Famer, man part of the big red machine hitting the middle of the lineup, man, he was a hall of famer, Joe Morgan, a oh, hall of famer. He's one of the great players. And, and they were hall of famers. We understand that, but it was, it was before we really delved into, uh, you know, b- before there were uh, some of the advanced metrics to really give you an idea of the value uh, of a player beyond batting average home runs and, and RBIs. Right. Um, so John Lester, Three-time world champion, always took the baseball, great competitor, well-liked. These are things that I think of off the top of my head without delving into numbers. Also, a world champion for a team that hadn't won it in forever in Boston. That's right. And hadn't won it in two forevers in, in the Cubs. So that ratchets up his you know, mythology, if you will, quite a bit. So I'd have to look at the numbers, um, but he is without question in the hall of very good. And now we have to determine, will he one day be in the hall of fame? Uh, You know what an interesting comp without looking at numbers. I'm not looking at numbers. I haven't dived into it yet. Mike Mussina, Moose who got in eventually, but you always thought, man, really good, solid, good, part of good teams and pitched a long time and always took the baseball. And, and if you were a fan, you felt good when Mussina was pitching for, you know, if you were a Yankee fan, taking the baseball. And obviously, you know, his teammates felt the same way. But when his career ended, you go, okay, man, that was a heck of a career. Was it Hall of Fame worthy? I don't know about that. Well, I think John Lester kind of falls into that, category without breaking down numbers is that is that fair for you i think you nailed it because again if my initial reaction was he's not a hall of famer and then prepared a little bit put the numbers together and i said you know what i i think i would actually vote for him right 200 wins on the nose 366 era translates to a 117 era plus 44.3 wins above replacement, according to baseball reference. If you look at uh, a metric that Jay Jaffe created, it's called Jaws, spelled just like uh, our favorite fish. Uh, and, or you know, Philly quarterback, Ron, Ron Jaworski. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so regular season numbers, and he was never like a, an, an ace. You know, he got Cy Young Award votes four times, was only a runner up 
once. Had a second, fourth, fourth, ninth place finish. Five-time All-Star, 2016 NLCS MVP. And you go, all right, that's, again, Hall of Very Good. But then you look at the postseason numbers, as you said, three World Series, doing it for teams that had, you know, curses, that hexes put on their team. Was 9-7 and seven in 22 starts, 154 innings pitched. That's almost a full season here at this point. 1.02 whip and a 2.51 ERA. And, he, and even better in the World Series. Wow. Even better, Patrick, in the World Series. He had a sub-two earned run average in the World Series. Uh, so when you add that in, it, it, he is an intriguing candidate uh, for the Hall of Fame. And, um, you know, five years. And he's not getting in the first time. I, I would. Doubt. I don't think so. Yeah, I would. But agree you know, over the next, starting in five years, over a period of time, he'll be one of those ones that we debate and, and talk about. Somebody threw this out there, Patrick, today on a talk show I was listening to or podcast I was listening to that I have to um, again take a deeper dive. They said his numbers. And I couldn't believe this because I look at him as different types of pitchers. But he said they said his numbers and thusly his candidacy is similar to Doc Gooden. I can see that. And well, I, I mean, I I didn't off the top because yeah, I think Doc Gooden is, you know, he dominated a, more, a yeah. dominant, dominant, you know, yeah. almost like a Degrom, like a Verlander, like pitcher for a shorter window, self induced that it was a shorter window, unfortunately. That's a, that's a topic for another show. I think you and I have a bias, having grown up in the New York metropolitan area and followed the Mets, and you know we're, we're mesmerized, as I think so many people who followed the Mets and really followed baseball back then by his you know meteoric rise uh, yeah. when he came on board. But I thought it was interesting that Lester was compared, at least in, uh, in, in this one podcast I was listening to, uh, to to Dwight Gooden, so we'll have to look at those numbers too. I've I've got a comparison too for for Gooden there. So I again, as I said, Jaws does not like him very very much. Says he's the 149th best starting pitcher, but that does rank him ahead of guys like Jack Morris, Catfish Hunter, who are in the Hall of Fame. And I said, okay, well let's we know 200 wins. That doesn't seem like it's a lot. We also know the win has lost a lot of value. Guys barely even get to 200 wins now. Where does that rank? So since 1980. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a little trivia here, Goody, and for anyone listening at home, how many pitchers since 1980 have won 200 or more games? It's a great one because, you know, as I attempt to answer this, or maybe, or maybe <laughs> divert, divert people's attention and by my own brain some time, you know, 300. That, that, no, that used to be, okay, you get the 300 wins. It was an automatic stamp into the Hall of Fame. Ain't nobody getting a 300 right now. There's no way. You win 150 games in the big leagues. Look at Kershaw, who's been fabulous, been unbelievable. He's been one of the great left-handers of all time. Kurt, what, he does, he's, not, he's not close to 200 wins yet. I mean, it's not like he's at 195 or something. Okay, how many guys have gotten to 200 wins? Since uh, 1980, so that, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to name them. I'm going to say, does that mean their career could have started before then or it's guys whose career? I believe so, out? yeah. There's there's a guy on the list that uh, I think started in the in the 70s. Okay, because, I mean, the 70s have still played differently. I'm going to say, wow, that's such a good question. Well, I mean, you know, Tom Seaver pitched into the 80s, so, you know, 
I don't know. He was not on the list. I know he was. Um, uh, he was not on the list. So he wasn't on the list. Then it must be guys that started from 1980 forward. I, I would have to say so. Yeah. Yeah. Because Jack Morris was on the list, I believe, but he did start in the 70s. I guess he happened to win 200 games since 1980. Oh, so maybe that's what he won guy. 200 games since 1980. Yeah. Wow. I'll say 13. Okay, not bad. 25 guys. Okay. Good. Not not a big number, right? Eight are Hall of Famers, and so that's uh, you're probably thinking most of those guys are going to be Hall of Famers. There are eight Hall of Famers on that list right now. You also have Clemens, Verlander, Schilling are on that list that aren't in the Hall yet, and we think at some point will. So that that takes that number of Hall of Famers to eleven. If you sort that list by winning percentage, Lester is seventh behind Pedro, Roy Halladay, Clemens, Randy Johnson. Messina and Verlander. So again, all Hall of Famers. He's right there. I decided to lower the threshold to 185 wins because he barely got to 200. He got he got it on the nose. So I lowered it to 185 wins. There was only 33 pitchers since 1980 who've won 185 games. So only eight more when I when I lowered it by 15 wins. And again, sorted by winning percentage. Who was better than John Lester, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, and Dwight Gooden. Interesting. So you put him in that class. I mean, many, so Gooden won, what did he win? 187 games or something like that? Something like that with, you know, a, a better than 600 winning percentage, six, maybe 25, let's say somewhere in that ballpark. So, and if you look at his most post, not just postseason starts, postseason game one starts of a series. And most of the guys on this list are from the wild card era, we know, but. He got eight game one starts for Roger Clemens and, you know, the GOAT, Whitey Ford, nine for Sabathia and Justin Verlander, 11 for Clayton Kershaw and Greg Maddox, and number one all-time game one starts for a postseason series with 12, John Lester. Hmm. All a part of the conversation. Yeah, and and some of that is so circumstantial when we talk about a player's Hall of Fame candidacy and the circumstances are, were they on, it's like the old Ernie Banks equation. Were they a great player, but they weren't on a real good team most of their career, like Ernie Banks. And should he be downgraded because he wasn't surrounded by enough talent to get there? Certainly Um, not. And I I don't think that's usually the case. And also where they played. I mean, we know that, I don't want to call it the Derek Jeter factor because Derek Jeter would have been a Hall of Famer regardless of where he played. But his, uh, again, mythical status has been elevated because he played for the Yankees. I mean, if he played for the Rockies for those 20, whatever it was, 21 seasons, uh, you know, you'd say, oh, my goodness, what a career. And he's 3000 plus hits. And, you know, the Rockies went to the postseason a couple of times. He's pretty clutch guy, wasn't he? I mean, but he wouldn't he wouldn't be Derek Jeter. He'd be really good and he'd be a Hall of Famer. He wouldn't have gotten all but one vote on the first ballot. He wouldn't have. And again, it's not a knock, don't misconstrue. It's not a knock on Derek Jeter, but there's so many circumstantial things um, that go into the voting. And and this is, you know, maybe we can attack this next week, Patrick. Um wh- what's the line? 
for that that would revoke a player's candidacy based on other factors. We've seen that clearly this year in the decline of votes that Omar Vizquel has received. Off the field, serious right. off the field issues, serious, not just being serious. a jerk. You can be no. a jerk and get in, but if we're talking domestic violence, things of that nature, Absolutely. that's so yeah, you're losing votes. Yeah. And so, you know, where, where is the line? Because, you know, you have the whole PED, you know, some that tested positive, some that seemingly, you know, were associated with it, allegedly associated with it. Where do we draw or just, you know, a real polarizing figure like a Kurt Schilling um, to a lesser degree, you know, I don't want to put Jeff Kent in that, but, you know, to a lesser degree, because he wasn't a warm, fuzzy guy to the media when he played. So where where is that line? Um, because it has influenced and continues to influence a lot of the writers' votes. I think one of the lines when you talk about impacting a, a player's candidacy, that is is unjust, but it has been a major factor. Coors Field, you know, we, we know Todd Helton is a Hall of Famer. You look at the numbers that he was able to put up and some voters still just don't know how to contextualize Coors Field. And okay, it may inflate numbers, but even when you deflate for that, we're still talking about one of the all-time greatest first basemen. Not Lou Gehrig great, but certainly, you know, in the field of that that next tier of, of Hall of Fame first baseman and he he should be there and voters still don't quite understand that's why again this conversation that's ongoing before the actual unveiling of of the next class of hall of famers is so important for people to realize okay well yeah look at the splits he only hit 285 on the road do your homework and go look at how many players played for as long as todd helton did and batted 285 on the road anywhere. 285 is damn good. There's some, there's plenty of hall of famers that didn't even hit 285 in their career. So understanding that and, and not holding Coors field against a player has been one of those factors only for Todd Helton. It was also the case for Larry Walker, but that's one of those things that is not an off the field issue. It's not a PED issue. It's just, it's just Coors field, you know, Coors, that's it. That's all you can kind yeah, of no, it and, and to me, it, 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 pisses me off because it's like when you look at ballpark factors one of the beautiful things about baseball is that they are there is no symmetry ballpark to ballpark it's it, there's no uniformity and that's the, the, I think that's such a wonderful thing I mean you, you you have Fenway Park and the Green Monster and and you have the Crawford boxes in Houston you have the you know again I call it a joke of a right field at Yankee Stadium, but it's part of the, you know, it's part of the beauty of, of the sport. And we're going to, you know, build our team around, you know, what our ballpark looks like. But Coors Field is always like right here in terms of a factor. Yet when we are looking at a, a, a pitcher that is, um, you know, Hall of Fame worthy potentially, and they pitch the vast majority of their career, say at Dodger Stadium or Oakland Coliseum. Oakland Coliseum. Do we downgrade their stats? Do, will anybody bring up? And Clayton Kershaw's a slam dunk. I'm just bringing sure. him up. 
So when when Kershaw comes up, will anybody say, well, yeah, Kershaw was great. Um, but, you know, let, let's, you know, look at the numbers and kind of detract from them a little bit, because after all, he pitched at Dodger Stadium. Yeah. No, no one will do that. But when it comes to Coors Field, it's it's seismic in terms of the rhetoric that is advanced um, in denigrating a guy that that performed all of their career in the case of Todd Helton or a large part of their career in the case of the now Hall of Famer Larry Walker. I do love the fact that ballparks are not uniform. Like you said, it's the the changing landscape of coaches. I want to talk about this too briefly before we get out of here, right? Where we no longer have uniformity with coaches. It's, it's great this week. Some big news for uh, some, some women in the game, Genevieve Beacom playing and, and becoming the first woman to play in the Australian baseball league, a, a professional league down under as it were. And, and Rachel Balkovec, who's becoming a coach. I mean, again, Women are just as much a fabric of the game as men are, and, and yet they are, they've long been underrepresented. And so it's, it's so wonderful to have these you know, more opportunities and, and fair opportunities for more people and different voices in the game. You're someone who works with Jenny Kavnar, so you've experienced it firsthand where, yeah, we, we need to have more women, more minorities in the game. And uh, it, it's great that, that people like Genevieve and, and Rachel are, are, are doing their thing right now. Yeah, and they, they've earned that right. Uh, I think it's terrific. And I'll take the analogy now to what we're seeing with what the Yankees um, are doing and throw it over to where the, the Broncos are right now. They're looking for a, a head football coach. And there's so many people who keep saying, well, you know, the Broncos offense is deficient. So therefore, you have to hire a head coach that has been known throughout their careers more of a an offensive coach they came up on that side of the ball in coaching so to speak and to me and i, and I talk about this on the podcast on, on my podcast this week with with dave lapham who you know you teased earlier we talked quite a bit about this lapham played for 10 years in the nfl he's been a broadcaster for for 36 years uh in the nfl studies it knows it backwards and forwards and and his takes an interesting one and it, it, it's my take you need a leader you don't need necessarily somebody who called plays offensively or defensively in football and so the same thing with that person on the top step of the dugout if that person can be a unifier if that person can command respect that is more important than did they play in the big leagues or in the case, obviously, of a woman, did they even play, you know, professionally? That's, that becomes irrelevant. Leadership is leadership. And so, again, I applaud the Yankees, uh, you know, for making uh, the, the decision they did. And, uh, yeah, and we will see more of that. And uh, we do need to see, without question, more diversity uh, in the game. Diversity makes us better wherever we are, whatever we're doing. We don't want, we don't need a homogenous, uh, you know, everybody saying, yeah, I, you know, we all look alike. We all sound alike. We all do the same things. That's boring. And, and, it, and it's, and it's not giving you uh, a, a real nuanced uh, idea in any, whether it be a company or a, a baseball diamond or a football field, it's not giving you a, a real good feel for uh, 
having diversity of, of opinion and diversity of thought if you don't have real diversity uh, in terms of uh, upper management and, uh, and uh, leadership uh, on the field. I could not verbally retweet that anymore. That that's fantastic. Well said. Yeah, really great episode with Dave Lapham. You to get into the national championship game, which obviously has that connection with with Dave. You know, being a, a broadcaster there in in Cincinnati. You did have a bonus guest this week who talked about the Avs again. I won't spoil that. I won't spoil at the end of the episode where you talk about who your guest is going to be next week. Someone who's been at the top of the list for a little while. And we've mentioned even on this show. So again, you're, you're crushing it right now on, on the podcast front here. Goody. Love it. I, I Love appreciate it. it. I mean, listen, I, I have, uh, you, you know, you're a good friend. I have great respect for what you do. I, 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 I crank one out, crank, <laughs> crank <laughs> one out once a week. And, you know, hopefully put some good thought into it and, and have been fortunate to, uh, you know, pull some interesting guests. You're doing it on a daily basis. And especially right now, you're doing it during a dormant time in the game where there's, you can't talk about the latest free agent signing or the trade that took place earlier this morning. So my, uh, my hat, which took my hair with me is off to you on, on a daily basis, my man. Well, we'll see if you say that next week when I go through my top five types of grass uh, on baseball stadium turf. Uh, spoiler, Kentucky bluegrass is not number one. So I'm running out of topics here, but I'm doing the best I can. So I appreciate that. Well, call me. We'll kick around. We'll come up with, we'll come up with some different stuff. Leave me out of the grass, uh, the literal and figurative grass conversation because uh, I, I'm an absolute neophyte on those. So, uh, but Anything else baseball related or even tangentially related to baseball, I'm in, man. I appreciate that. That's why uh, you're the best at what you do. Make sure you're following him over on Twitter at Drew Goodman42. Make sure you're subscribing to the Drew Goodman podcast. Always fantastic with great guests each and every week. This week's great. Next week is going to be fantastic. Got to subscribe to the Drew Goodman podcast. I'm at Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter, and our account is at DNVR underscore Rockies five days a week. Here we are doing the damn thing. 5 a.m. We're dropping these podcasts Monday through Friday. So thanks for joining us as always. If you want to listen to this and you're enjoying it on the podcast format, we've got some videos so uh, you can watch the two handsome devils actually have that conversation go back and forth. Patrick, before you completely sign off, I have a topic for you, and I will partake with you. Padded walls, which we all belong in, um, or <laughs> padded walls or the, the hard surface or brick behind home plate that we often see. Because oh. now, you know where I'm going with this, now at least half a dozen times a year, we see wild pitch, ricochet, like a pitch back, back to the catcher and the guy at third, if there was a guy at third, breaks for the plate and he's out by 15 feet. And the team that threw the wild pitch or the pass ball gets rewarded because of the hard surface um, behind home plate. It's one of my pet peeves. I think that you should not get rewarded for that. Another topic for another day that's kind of out there. And you conveniently left out Aquariums, no. Yeah, the aquarium. get rid of that? Didn't Derek Jeter <laughs> and get rid of that? Probably because with the statue again, in why, field. Why is that there? Yeah, 
Okay. Here's my opening press conference cheater, right? Yeah. He goes, welcome. We're going to try to put the best field, the team on the field every day. We're going to embrace South Florida. By the way, the statue's gone and the fish tank's gone. Next question. Another new logo is coming too. <laughs> we're going to tone down the Mickey Mouse vibes. Yeah. Sorry, man. You were signing off and I just rolled you into show number two. It's a good teaser. It's a good teaser. Right. Talk about the we talk about the turf. Bermuda grass, not even in the top five, folks. Okay. So we've got some great shows still coming up next week. Goody's gonna be joining me again. Appreciate it. So for DNVR Sports, he's Drew Goodman. I'm Patrick Lyons. And you know what they say? Momentum is only as good as tomorrow's podcast. So we'll see you next week.